1: Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. Thanks for joining Mark and me and our great guest for a wonderful afternoon and an amazing show. I want to first thank Kent Quiet Hawk for that amazing introduction. You can find him and his wife at NativeStorytellers.com. Highly encourage you to do that. Native storytelling is an ancient form of preserving history, one that we seem to have lost touch with. It's nice to touch back into it and. Remember the magic that once a culture had. So tonight, we tonight today, depending on where you are in the world, we have an amazing show, and it's one of my favorite topics. So I'm really excited that Mark has found this lovely lady to be our special guest. Mark, you with me?
2: Yes, I am. How are, Yay! How are you doing today?
1: Well, aside from croaking along, I'm just fine.
2: Okay, good. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah, we've only um, mentioned crop circles a couple times at at most. I think that's going to uh, change today. We have two hours devoted to crop circles, and well,
1: you know, it's right. it's funny because it's one of my favorite topics, and I can't imagine mm-hmm. we've been doing shows together for almost nine months and we haven't hit on them once.
2: Yeah, and, uh, you know, we have uh, today's show is going to lay the foundations for uh, the one we have June 4th. So this is, you know, one of those pivotal shows again. And, you know, our uh, Barnsley and Rotherham loyal listeners are going to like this one. We have, our special guest is one of their very own. Uh, Lucy Pringle is here, uh, but she, she is uh, calling in from a secret pub after finishing some fish and chips. But She's a leading researcher on crop circles, and she just published her book with Inner Traditions, and it is entitled The Energies of Crop Circles. It's an excellent book uh she leads tours too and in helicopters above the crop circles and you can learn more about Lucy by going to her website lucypringle.co.uk. Hi Lucy, how are you?
3: I'm very well,
2: thank you. Good, good. Um we are looking forward to the next 2 hours and you know, uh, like Barbara said, we really and, and may have just had a couple passing references to uh, crop circles, and I, you know, this is just going to be our first show devoted to the subject. And well, we're we're really looking forward to the insights and extensive research you've done and learning. So, so much about them over the last 25 years. Um, you know, m- most of us have seen the hoaxers with the you know board and you know stomping on on, on a crop uh, you know, overnight, and you know they get get their 15 minutes of fame the next day, um, but. You document in your book that there is something non-human, unexplained about the non-hoaxed ones, and that that's what really makes your. Uh, One of the aspects that makes your book really uh, captivating is the experiments, the uh, eyewitness accounts, the the documentation you received uh, from so many people who visited uh, the sites with you and sent you emails. So maybe we should start with something that, uh one case study that um really disproves the hoax theory uh, right off the bat and that's the uh julius set and you know, you're stating in your book that these dimensions and you have the uh a photograph to go with it. The measurements are 915 feet long by 508 feet wide, and it appeared within, like, a, what, 40 to 50-minute time period. People can't uh, stomp uh, through wheat and make a perfect... uh, pattern or you in know, all these circles in, in such a short period uh, uh, what, uh what's unique about the set study
3: um I think there are several unique uh factors to the set. One of the first one was that it actually happened in daylight mm-hmm. um, Another one was that uh it didn't come to light. Um, for, oh, maybe 13 years after it happened. And a third unusual one was that it was actually witnessed. And the story behind it is is really fascinating. Um, I'd been giving a lecture in Hampshire at, at the Alton College. And after I'd finished, apparently one of the people who'd been there uh, took a taxi and just said to the uh, taxi driver, I've been to a fascinating talk on crop circles. And the um, the taxi driver said, well, she said, I saw one appear at Stonehenge. Now, this was many, many years ago, and um, I, to my knowledge, there wasn't a crop circle has sown hens that particular year. So I telephoned all around, and no, none had been reported. So I managed to get the taxi driver's telephone number, and I rang her, and I said, this is really interesting. Could you tell me a little bit more about it? Because I said, there just doesn't seem to be one at all. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. She said it was many years ago. So I said, well... There being three, one was in 1996, one was in 1997, and one was in 2002. And these were opposite Stonehenge. And she immediately said, oh, she said it was in 1996. She said, I know that for a fact, because my son was on leave from the army. And she said um, she was going down to the West Country uh, to visit him and she said another thing she said she knew it was a a Sunday because as she was driving down from a roundabout uh, in a town called Amesbury (coughs) as you come down the hill you can see Stonehenge on the right and as she came down the hill um, a whole mass of traffic was coming up the other way and there's usually a jam a logjam on the A303, and she said, so far as she was concerned, she had a, a straight run because all the others were coming back on Sunday to go to work on Monday or wherever they were going. Uh, but also, she said, as she came down the hill, she said a very curious. She noted a very curious thing that there was an isolated cloud hovering above the field opposite Stonehenge. And as she got closer, she saw a whole lot of cars and they were pulled into the verge into, by the fence in this field opposite St. Henge. And as she was nearing the field, uh, a car pulled out, so she nipped in quick as a flash and got out of the car and thought to herself, I wonder what all these people are looking at in this field. And she got to the, to the fence and she looked And she said she saw the most miraculous thing. She said the crop was actually going down in front of her eyes. Now, she was Irish, and she said, you know, it's just like a leprechaun. She said they couldn't believe her eyes. And so I said, "Um, have you any idea? Um, Oh, yes, I mentioned first. I said, what about the cloud? I said, was it in any way physically connected with the ground? And she said, no, Uh, it wasn't physically connected with the ground, but there seemed to be some sort of communication going on between the two. Because as the crop went down in the field and enlarged, so this circle uh, hovering above uh, was growing and growing and rotating and seemed to be growing in size just as the uh, crop uh, in the field was going down and enlarging and she said she couldn't see the shape of the what was happening in the field because she was on the same plane, the same level so I said um, right now how long do you think this took and she said said, I have no idea she said when you're watching something like that you're not looking at your watch Mm -hmm. and I said no 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 of course you're not but then i said have you any idea and she she um, she said well no not really she said maybe 20 to 25 minutes she said i don't know and and i was quite upset about this i was quite put out because all the previous uh reports i'd had which i documented in my first book and um they were this witnesses, the eyewitnesses all said these happened in a matter of seconds and here was um, a story about it happening in 25 to 20 to 25 minutes I, I was really, really quite uh, disappointed so I, I challenged her again and she got quite annoyed with me she said, Lucy, listen, she said, I was there and I know what I saw, you were not there and you didn't know. You don't know what I saw. So, well, I mean, there was no arguing with that, was there? So I went away, and I was really upset about this. And then I thought on the way home as I was driving home, hold on a minute. Um, those, all the ones that appear it appeared in a matter of seconds, they were just single, simple circles. And here we had something which was 915 feet times 508, and it had 151 circles. Now, this is a very different kettle of fish. So Mm -hmm. I rang through to James Lyons, who is my guru, and and I've been doing work with him for years, and who's my co-author, and I told him about this, and I said, listen, Jim, is there any question time element because of the size and number of circles and he said yes of course he said just give me all the measurements uh, well in those days we used to have people going out measuring the circles but now that the farmers don't want people in because of tourists trampling and damaging their fields all this has really come to an end which is very sad but so i gave him the measurements and he wrote back and this is what he said It's generally accepted that as a result of work conducted in the 1990s, it's possible to calculate the time a formation takes to appear based on the size and number of circles. The method relates to the Earth's gravitational and magnetic fields. This predicts a velocity of the resulting vortex filament ...of some 10 foot per second. To create the 151 circles... ...in the 915.5... ...times 580 foot pattern... ...would take the order of 20 to 25 minutes to create. So there you are. And then he goes on to say... ...the descending force... ...admits an electrical discharge... ...which releases bubbles... From the underground water, and these are springs, uh, which rise up through the surface of the ground and the patterns are formed. Uh, there is less pressure outside than inside, therefore there is a sort of sucking down motion from inside which bends or sucks down the crop at the base. Then he goes on to talk about the mist because he was really excited about the mist and he said this was all part of the formation uh, hypothesis that he'd been working on for years. He said the mist would be as a a result of cool water vapor rising from the aquifer underground spring beneath and behaves in a manner similar to what happens in the lab when electrical discharges are created through water and different patterns emerge on the surface. Mist forms a little distance from the triggering point, which would support what occurred in this case. M could see the circle growing. Then he goes on to say, as for the height of the, of the cloud, it would be no higher than the radius of the formation created, and the mist cloud would grow as the formation grew. Exactly, exactly in terrific detail what M had told me. So then I went on to challenge James, and I said, you know, science is is absolutely valuable, and it has its essential place in um, uh, research. Um, But I said, you know, it's not everything. Uh, We need to think outside the box. We need to be totally open-minded. And so he wrote back saying, however, the more complex patterns have additional information contained in the sphere... And who or what presses a button to make this these is not within our present knowledge or understanding. Now, furthermore to this, um, the fact that we can have a time element is, a, is essential to this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, a pilot was flying over the uh, circle, well, flying over the field, and he had, um, he had a, um, a doctor with him, a medical doctor, who wanted to take a picture of Stonehenge. Well, in fact, you can't fly right over Stonehenge because it's, it's military ground and you have to get very, very special uh, permission. So, in fact, what was happening was that he was flying over the field where this formation actually occurred. And as you can imagine, this was so large, there was absolutely no chance whatsoever that they could have missed it. Well, this was at... um, Wait a second. This was taken at 5... He flew over at 5.30. They flew on to Thruxton, which is the airfield, and they got out. And the medical doctor just happened to drive past Stonehenge um, about... Oh, sometime later, and he couldn't understand why there were all the, 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 the cars um, pulled up into the edge. And in fact, there was such a logjam that the police were called. But on top of that, the pilot flew back um, at, I think it was, wait a second, at about 6.30, and was absolutely amazed because there was this, this extraordinary formation which he simply could not have missed. They simply absolutely could not have missed. Uh, Also, the farmer uh, had workmen working in the field until half past five that afternoon, and the gamekeeper said it hadn't been there in the morning, and one of the guards at Stonehenge reported that it hadn't been there. So you can say to yourself, well, how on earth was this only... um, reported 13 years later uh, well I think one has to put yourself in, in their, the people's position the people who were actually watching this when you're all together in a group you know what you're, what you're seeing and mm-hmm. you're, you're in a little group and you, there's no, no discussion about it I mean it's there it's happening but when you all split up And you drive away and you go to wherever you're going, you're going home or or whatever. And you suddenly say to yourself, you know, I I wonder, was I imagining that? Did it really happen? And they're certainly not going to go into a pub and say, you know, i just seen a crop circle appear. It's extraordinary how the mind plays tricks. And when you're all together in a group and you're seeing the same thing or hearing the same thing, you know that it's true. But the moment you drive away or you leave that group, you start to doubt yourself. Right, right. But it was it was quite remarkable. It, it, it taught, is, us, it taught
2: us an awful lot. Uh, Lucy, oh, you, you mentioned that the uh, police showed up to uh, break Dispersed. Dispersed? up. Yeah. D- it, 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 yes. A- a- after it, it appeared, but it, yeah, with, with 151 individual circles being made within uh, 30, what, uh, 40 minutes? Well, or,
3: it, yeah, we have a time element of about 45 minutes.
2: Yeah. yeah uh, okay. You know you're going to need a whole bunch of people uh, hundreds of people showing up in a field uh to do that amount of work in a uh short period of time uh, but the cops weren't there to disperse a whole bunch of workers uh making a crop circle so and it, it, the the evidence that James provides with the um uh you know the Elect- naturally occurring electrical phenomenon r- rules out th- this man-made uh cr- crop circle uh yeah, just suddenly appearing i it, the, the uh, th- there's a scientific explanation instead of a man-made explanation for oh, yes. the, the, the Julia set. And
3: furthermore, the geometry in this, it was called the Julia set because it was mm-hmm. a fractal image. And um, it was called the Julia set and the, um, the geometry in there was just absolutely extraordinary. And also a lot of very strange things happened in there. Um, I went in, well, I was taking some friends um, into the circle and as I was walking down the tram line, with them towards the circle I suddenly had this gut feeling don't go in now very often I've ignored this and I've rarely paid the penalty and had terrible headaches or nausea or something and I thought this time when well, the feeling is so strong I mustn't go in so very dejectedly I turned around and I walked back well the two friends who have been in they came out and they were absolutely pea green they felt terrible but the moment we were outside the radius of the circle, and I can tell you the radius was the largest I've ever ever uh, been in any crop circle, they, it cleared up. And this is, this is very interesting because um, somebody um, came to um, stay with me that weekend, some Canadians, and um, he said that when he went in, he felt rarely radiated, and he said, uh, what did he say? He was uh, a biochemist, molecular biochemist, te- teaching in the States. Felt well on entering. He went in without any ex- expectations, never having visited a formation before. After a while, he began to experience effects very similar Feelings of intense ultraviolet radiation or gamma radiation, which and this is initial nausea, both of which he said he was familiar with. The effect lasted several hours, but he experienced an unusual mel- mental and physical well being later. The last that this lasted until the next day. Now he works with, he works with, um radiation, ultraviolet radiation and gamma radiation. So he knew exactly what he was talking about. Um, But again, the strange thing is that it almost seems as though the amount of people that go in, in some way, they soak up the energy uh, of the crop circle. And by the time I went in about a week later, because hundreds of people went in, They came from all over the world, and the the farmer made an absolute killing. But when I went in with these Canadians who'd been so badly affected, we went in very worried about how we were going to feel, and we all felt absolutely fine. So it seemed as though a lot of the energy had been absorbed, uh, if you like, by, by the people themselves who'd visited it.
2: And as you – I want to come back to the uh, – some of these uh, health effects in in just a little bit. But while we're still talking about the natural formations of uh, the crop circles, you also note that some of the – A crop uh, can be pulled out by the root, and other other, uh, times the crops are in a herringbone uh, pattern. Uh, Yeah, that's some really interesting uh, energy uh, that that it would be causing – yeah, you know, uh, the the crops to o- overlap in opposite directions.
3: Well, I think the uh, the ones where the roots are pulled out, those would not be genuine. Those would be man-made. But the other ones where you get overlapping and uh, layer, layering of of crop, and you get many different layers at time. You can look through one layer and then you see a different layer, different sort of pattern underneath, and the, the next layer. They're very, very, very complex. Um, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: But there are many ways of telling which, uh, if you're you're the first one in, telling telling between the man-made and the genuine ones, because there are man-made ones. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And some of them look very good, and it's not until you look at the geometry. And that's why when I fly, I try and take an overhead picture. This is very, very important for the mathematicians and geometers to work out the geometry.
2: Yeah, and do the uh, crop circles appear in just yeah you know, like a couple different types of crops like the rapeseed and wheat or are they appearing in just a variety of uh, in the different fields. Uh, Is is there just like a limited number of uh, types of crops that uh, attract this kind of energy?
3: Well, I think we have to to look at it with a slightly different aspect. Okay. Because um, research was done, biophysical research was done by somebody called Glenn Broughton and, and a colleague of his and they found that over 90% of all crop circles appeared on chalkland. Now again, mm-hmm. this takes us back to the aquifers underneath. And as we live in an electric world, and this is an electric force coming down, um, the electrically charged water coming up from the aquifers plays an absolutely intrinsic and essential part. So when you get, you, uh, the, the uh, phenomenal phenomenon will appear in anything which will take an imprint. Uh, but it has to be really at a, a certain height. Um, there was one story that I was sent, I don't know if I've included in my book, by uh, somebody who's now living in Australia. And so many people are fearful of being laughed at he wrote to me, he's now well into his 60s or 70s, and he said, you know, this is the first time I've ever ever spoken about it, he said. And apparently as a young man, he'd been a lad working um, on a, some farmer's land. And he was in a field of young barley, very young barley, one day. And he suddenly, a sort of wind or something came towards him. And <coughs> the The barley was flattened, and he fainted, or he was knocked out um, by whatever the electrical force was, by the frequency. And when he came to, he found that the young barley was rising up. Well, not being being a very mature barley, there wasn't enough weight from the crop to, to hold it down. So sometimes um, they'll rise up very, very quickly. Uh, there it ha- are quite a lot of different elements that have to be considered. It's rather—I've often said—it's rather like a Christmas pudding recipe with <laughs> all sorts of ingredients.
2: Okay. That's uh, yeah, and you know, you know, we've had you know, when uh maria Wheatley was a guest she's yeah, discussed a lot of the chalk in southern england and um uh, i uh you know covered some of the uh uh like the Uffington white horse the uh, and uh and many of the other chalk figures uh in in the uh, southern England I- area. It's so
3: a there's a band of chalk going all the way across from about Somerset, oh, all the way, to, uh, oh, to Kent, uh, and also there's some in Oxfordshire mm-hmm. uh, around there, and also there's some in in Yorkshire, bands, mm. and this is where you will find the circles.
2: Okay, so there uh, there is a pattern there. It, uh, that's I think that's interesting, and I'm sure the uh, listeners are intrigued by that as well. Just you know, we keep hearing the same pattern of uh, you know the prehistoric people being drawn to the areas where chalk is un, under. Uh, the ground and you know, you get the aquifers uh, 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 it's very interesting and um, you know, since, since since you just mentioned um, uh yorkshire yorkshire um, you know, J- you know, your co-author uh James Lyons is uh, living was- up there it Yes. is yeah is he uh also seeing these patterns up there in yorkshire and, and yes. he, he's coming down to uh, visit you as uh, well to do some of his research
3: oh yes um mm-hmm. he's, uh, certainly the ones he's he's had in in Yorkshire some have been very close to where he actually lives oh, but okay. he he comes down uh to visit me. And we is part of my scientific um, annual research day. And we get a, um, a group of uh, scientists together and, and medical people. And we, we can just can, can conduct tests. Um, so we work very much together. In fact, we've worked together for oh by 20 years.
2: Okay. And, um, uh, uh, Barbara has a question. So it, uh,
1: well, I or, have I have many, but I have
2: one I want
1: to. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um,
1: I, I know that, that uh, the preponderance of the crop circles that, that people know about happen in Great Britain in that area of the country. Um, but we have, you know, vast farmlands here in this country Um do we do are there crop circles that that appear in the United States and we just don't hear about them? Oh well, I think or, or so. are you? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Or I think, are I just think you, from territory? Sorry, could you say that again? Well, it it just seems that the only ones that we really hear about are the ones that happen in in Great Britain and and the environs over there, and yet we have fields that are very very similar here in this country that would be perfect for crop circles and and yet I, I don't recall hearing much if anything about crop circles in this country.
3: Well just recently you haven't had very many but the crop circles appear all over the world. It's um it's a universal phenomenon. At the moment, I think they've appeared in either 55 or 56 different countries. Um, England is, in a way, unique because the area which is suitable for the circles is relatively small, and uh, people can see them or find them quite easily. Uh, mind you, I think several on several occasions, uh, when you can't see them from the road or they're very difficult to, to access, farmers have come upon them quite suddenly uh, when they were harvesting. I said, oh, my goodness, there's a crop circle. Um, yes, it's, uh, I think it's, um, it, it certainly seems to happen more in in the UK. And we've got so many sacred sites all around those areas. And this is absolutely essential because... I think if one thinks about it, and Maria would, would agree with me on this, is that all the we have a gridwork of energy uh, lines which are electric running through the, our planet. And we have certain what we call nodal points where they meet and they cross. Now, those are sources of tremendous energy. And you'll find that all the pyramids in the world, in Bosnia, Mexico, China, Russia, Egypt, are all built on those nodal points. So are all our cathedrals. So are our churches. And our ancient forebears, ancient ancestors, they understood this. They understood the power and the energy coming from these crossover points. And so... All the crop circles, the genuine crop circles, are also on these uh, nodal points, crossover electrical nodal points. And oh. <coughs> I'm sorry, this is an electrical phenomenon.
2: Okay, oh, Lucy, okay, so the cro- crop circles are appearing at. Um, are yeah, these nodal points okay that's a predictable location uh but are they do they appear on uh certain anniversaries you know certain days is something like, you, know, you do have dates in your book, but that's when you were uh, taking the photo at the site. Is there any uh, way to correspond this, you know, the appearance of, you know, this crop circle with a certain date?
3: Well, no, (laughs) that's a very good question because intensive research has been done on this by various people. We've wondered if it has anything to do with the lunar cycle. We've wondered if it has anything to do with days of the week. We've wondered if it has anything to do with weather conditions. Uh, We've examined all different uh, possibilities, and none of them come up as being remarkable in any way whatsoever. It's very random.
2: Okay. I I, I just just wondered, and you uh, you do... uh you, you mentioned in your book that uh all all these uh megalithic sites that we you know we've spoken about on uh, you know on numerous shows are uh positioned on you know these ley lines and uh the same concept continued uh, you know, a few thousand years later, with the um, medieval architects building, you know, little Saint Mary's Church, yeah, you know, at on the ley line as well. So I just it's uh, just interesting to see how there's almost like a uh, thousands of years of an uninterrupted pattern. Going on. yes
3: yes absolutely um you see um James was talking. Let me see what I can see in this in in because he um he he's great and he's he has a a great way of connecting things together um he says here um The future of the crop circle phenomenon is likely to grow significantly since interest in the topic of an electric universe is growing dramatically. Generally speaking, gravity is no longer thought to be the key organizing feature in cosmology. Rather, electricity, seen as propagated in spiral filaments, Rising to prominence as an important factor. And this is where we're talking about an electric world. Um, and this is why um, so much of these nodal points that we, we're discussing, where uh, places as, as sacred places are uh, located or situated, and the crop circles, there's all <clears throat> a, a linking up, a connection between all this.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. and you would you know with the um, um yeah, you know medieval churches being on uh you know the uh, other nodal points uh just say stonehenge um yeah uh are You expect healing to be uh, happen, miracle cures and things like that at uh, sacred sites. And you you document your own experiences with these energies – you know, you have um, you know qu- quite a few cases of uh people contacting you uh you know going there uh to to the location with someone and you know you've uh really spent a lot of time uh, look, uh, examining these energies. Uh, Effects on Parkinson's disease. Can, can, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're learning w- with with that subject?
3: Sorry, can, uh, what was your final final thing? Did I have any doubts? Did you say?
2: No. Uh, uh, what are you learning about uh, Parkinson's uh, disease and the crop circles?
3: Oh, right. Um, Yes. Well, in fact, what we do, I work with somebody called Dr. Paul Gehry. He's an advanced clinical physiologist who works uh, from the Devon and Exeter Hospital. He's particularly interested in the neurological aspect, and he also works on uh, scoliosis, which is the curvature of the spine. But Parkinson's comes into his work as well, and each year we do tests. Um, And this has all been a very much a developing area. It's developed as our methodology has developed and improved. Um, Our technology has also developed and improved. Uh, In the early days, it was very difficult for batteries to retain a charge. Mm -hmm. So we had to work very, very quickly because... The essence of the day is that we start off um, in a room, usually in Avery, which is part of the Avery Stone Complex, and we test we test uh, people who've got Parkinson's, people who haven't got Parkinson's, and then other scientists come and do their various work on different aspects, which is what their their particular research. Uh, we then go into the circle. Uh, We repeat the tests. Um, We then come out of the circle, uh, go to a location away from the circle, and repeat those tests again. So that, in fact, we have conducted three identical tests. (coughs) The results are recorded and analysed. And this, over the years, if people would like to look at my website and go to the uh, uh, articles, you will see what uh, results we've had. Um, Last year, we were measuring saccadic eye movements. Now, saccadic eye movements are... in. We have... This is if you're following a a moving object, like a pendulum or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People who haven't got Parkinson's, they've got very smooth eye movements. But, (coughs) sorry, (coughs) people with Parkinson's um, disease, they, (coughs) sorry, I'm going to have to stop for a moment. Hold on a minute, I'll do this thing.
2: on uh Barbara, what do you think? Uh pretty exciting information we're getting oh, today.
1: Absolutely. And and you know, I've always had a fascination <laughs> with crop circles and their energy. Um especially when when I walked into the crop circle, it almost felt as though um I was surrounded in a, in a bubble of sorts, so that the external noise didn't didn't reach my ears. It was a feeling of peace, and I must have hit a good crop circle, I guess. Um, but it felt to me as though I was in it felt to me as though I was in the the entrance way to a portal, so that it it was in some ways. Um, and opening to another dimension through which you had to go through some sort of airlock or chamber or something like that. It felt like that's what the. That's
3: what
1: it felt like to me.
3: That's oh, brilliant, thank you. Barbara. So many. I'm back again. So many people reported similar effects. Uh, you're not the only person who's got a croaky throat, Barbara, too. <laughs> It's it's just been going around. Um, So then we have these results. And as I was saying, if people would like to go onto my website and read my articles, I think they'd see exactly what research we're doing. We've also done um, uh, testing for a tremor. We've done something called the glabella test. This is interesting. The glabella test is... (coughs) If you tap your forehead with uh, your your first finger, and oh Lord, sorry, this is this is awfully difficult for me at the moment. I'm going to have to
1: go get some hot tea or something. I can pontificate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, <Wow. laughs> I, I have never been accused of being at a loss for words, especially when the topic is so so dear and near to my heart. Um, I feel that, that we've just really scratched the surface as to the real meaning behind the, um, the, the crop circles. In many ways, as I said before, I think they're portals. But in other ways, I feel that, that a lot of times the designs – are giving us um, information that we can utilize to help to open a portal on this side or in this dimension to the other dimensions and basically we've we 've been looking at them as though they were pretty pictures, but so many of them are sacred geometries, so many of them are universal symbols, so many I know one of them was was the symbol of the of the of the tree of life so that so that spiritually speaking. I think in many ways, wherever it's coming from is trying to lead us on a spiritual journey and, and scientifically analyzing them is fine and good and well. But there's also a spiritual aspect and dimension here that, that, yes. that has to be gotten to in order to utilize the crop circle for the purpose that it was meant to be. I
3: quite agree, Barbara. Wholeheartedly, I agree. This is a very, very important aspect which, unfortunately, um, people who challenge this subject, they don't want to hear just about the spiritual aspects. They want science. Mm-hmm. And this well, is where th- the spiritual aspect is often missed out and is lost. And well, I've think, been very much on that track
1: I, I think for many what, years. What happens- what happens is people try to logically understand something that is really based in faith. And, you know, good luck. Um,
3: <laughs> it doesn't I, work I quite that agree. Way. But in order to make this subject credible, yeah, you, you have to have science.
1: Oh, you do, absolutely. <laughs> but, but sooner uh, or later, is, there's a leap is,
3: but... of faith. Yes, yes, I mean, I, I'm very much on the spiritual side, always have been, but the more I've investigated this subject, the more I have come across such skepticism that I've realized the basis of this, when you're talking to people, uh, doing interviews, writing books, whatever, you have to talk about science. Absolutely. And then suddenly they'll, they'll listen to you. And then you can get on to the spiritual aspect, which is absolutely essential. Oh, well, you know, spiritual,
1: spiritual journeys have always needed to have a logical, scientific hook to get people to listen. And then once you are able absolutely. to plant the seed, then consciousness takes over. And for oh. the most part, people people do begin to embrace something that was inside of them all along but they didn't know it
3: it's like an awakening isn't it and Absolutely. It's, it's really really lovely so many people they feel so much better for being inside a circle they come out completely changed I've had so many wonderful um, stories sent to me by, by people there was a lovely one Um, there was a lovely one which when I was doing a, a talk in Glastonbury when I do a talk there I always end up by doing 20 minutes or so of a sight and sound presentation and I have a stream of crop circle pictures matched with the most heavenly music and I can't tell you how it affects people And this was what one person said. Everybody comes out smiling. She said, it wasn't until your presentation on the 27th of July, my 51st birthday, that I realized my past, my present, and my future. In other words, my purpose came into being. Oh, wow. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> this is so difficult for me. Um, she said, the first three crop circles that you showed in your Sight and Sound presentation hit me so badly that I wasn't able to breathe. Oh, wow. I had an intense release of emotion. Um it's lovely, lovely. So many lovely reports I get from people. And there was a most glorious one which if I can if my voice were lost I <laughs> <coughs> uh, Oh dear oh dear. I'm so sorry about this. You know what it's like, Margaret. Um this oh, is yeah. somebody who just went to went to Stonehenge and I Oh no bother. That's that's my that's
2: my oh, the, yeah, I can't do anything about that. um yeah we have passed uh now there's sinus drainage now now a uh a possible <laughs> guest call calling me <laughs>
4: that's uh, wonderful Hello,
2: Mark. this is Mike. There's, <laughs> okay right. so I'm sorry, uh, sorry. Uh, well, this is, you know, uh,
1: this doesn't happen when we're doing it late at night, but certainly during the day, everybody is up and functional, and it does happen. But um, yeah, no, I, I, the wonders of live
2: radio. Yeah,
1: don't 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 worry about the coughing. Uh, your information is so good that nobody will notice it, so don't worry. Oh, well,
3: you're so kind. May I read you something? You sure, know, I take sure take these tours, and people, I had crop circle tours. And in one of those, an optional extra of going into Stonehenge, a private entry visit. And in the other one, after the tour, there's an optional extra of flying over the circles. But there was one uh, woman who particularly wanted to go into Stonehenge. She was absolutely dying to go into Stonehenge. And she was quite a sort of um, everyday sort of person, and but she just had to go in and this is what she wrote I'm not going to try and transpose it because I couldn't write anything so beautifully she said as I walked up the ramp and Stonehenge came into view I became aware of a very low frequency hum I felt myself slip thousands of years into the past and the other people in my group seemed to disappear my breathing became erratic and I struggled to catch my breath. Then I was flying back into the present, but with the understanding that I was also still in the past, both existences occurring simultaneously. I could feel the tears welling up in my eyes as I approached the monument, but I tried to push them back and kept my, to keep my composure. The next thing I remember is standing at the place where you can see the sun rise over the heelstone at summer solstice, and trying to listen to what Lucy was saying. That particular spot seemed to, ac- seem to accelerate my emotions, at which, at that point, spiralled out of control. I started uncontrollably sobbing. I felt pure joy at coming home, but I also felt the sadness of what had been lost. It seemed as though I felt several lifetimes' worth of emotions, all in a manner of moments. I was unable to sleep that night. Well, I remember putting my arm around her, trying to comfort her, and she she moved away. She had to be on her own. And, you know, I find this so often with people. Somebody came from Norway just to go into Stonehenge with me, and she said, I've come home. You know, you're in the... This is why it's actually so difficult to get tickets. I have to get mine in September for for you know for this tour. Um, but when you're inside the actual stone circle and you're standing next to these megaliths and you are absorbing their energy, it's something quite unique. It's so if anybody wants to come to Stonehenge with me, I've got a few tickets left. That's on the twenty third.
2: There you go. Uh, we have uh, a lot of listeners in Rotherham and Barnsley. Come, oh. Come, come, come on down to H- Hampshire, and Lucy, Lucy will get get you out to Stonehenge.
3: Well, I know. It's a unique experience. It really is. It's so special.
2: But, it's so there, special. It, it, and, and, Lucy, you know, you know we have uh, – You know the Julia set was uh, uh, in the field opposite um, Stonehenge, Uh, but uh, yeah, there is a pattern that you, you document of you know the crop circles appearing at other. Uh, uh, in, uh near other megalithic sites you, you know you get Silbury hill and you know the uh which is uh part of the Avebury uh stone circle complex and you mentioned uh the uh uh barberry castle
3: um mm-hmm.
2: That's uh, an, uh, uh, very ancient iron age hill fort yeah uh, uh, okay so so there yeah besides the uh you know all, all these, uh, you know, ley lines. You know, th- there's more of these. You know, the crop circles are, are appearing near um, other megalithic sites. So, so this isn't just like a you know one time t- thing near Stonehenge. It, it, it's very uh, fairly common.
3: They're all they're all on the if if you if you've got a sacred site and it's on chalk your land, you're very likely to get a crop circle.
2: Mm-hmm. So there, there's your... Yeah, I, yeah I, I just find that really interesting. And, and you know, these... Uh, uh, you know, we have two samples of uh, stone circles and the Iron Age hill fort. What, um, can you tell us a little bit about... The hill fort is it like a walled hilltop or something like
3: yeah, that it's a, it's a grass mound um but the one at um Barbary Castle is enormous I remember walking round it and it took me almost a whole morning to walk around it it's 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 absolutely enormous it's a ground it's a it's a it's a grass mound um which has been there for many many years often it has sort of terraces on it. And um, yeah, they vary in size. Uh, there are some many down in, in Dorset too. Dorset hmm. is on chalk land, and you get them round there. You get them round uh, uh, the the, um, the Iron Age hill forts in
2: Dorset. Hmm.
3: Okay, but yes, Barbara, sorry, you were going to ask something.
2: Yeah, I, 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 that, that, that's just interesting, and I. I, I, I enjoy learning about these patterns uh and and you're just doing an excellent job of uh, de- delineating them and you in know, in your book you also have a lot of information about the um um and tape Going to some of these crop circles with um, you know, uh, your friends that uh, you know just say have uh, Parkinson's disease.
3: Oh yes, that was an extraordinary event.
2: Yeah, and, and yeah, it, it, uh, sitting in the uh, circle, at uh, center of the uh, circle, uh, did. Uh, greatly reduce the uh, uh tremors for about a day uh and you know, you, uh made another uh, statement as like like page hundred and fifteen that um can some of the um crop circles uh be more effective in treating you know, certain medical. Uh, medical conditions like parkinson's uh you know the one uh, you know two two fields o over is better for um, you know, people suffering from allergies is there is there you know like different energies uh, being Emitted from these crop circles that are more conducive to healing certain medical conditions?
3: Well, I, I don't know because we're just investigating Parkinson's at the moment scientifically. Okay. Um, but certainly ones which are genuine um, will will uh, certainly show scientific changes in the brain. Um, it was very interesting one time with, I wrote wrote about in my book. One time we were uh, going to do um, because I never know until the last moment which is the circle we're going to use we also have to have the farmer's permission etc. But one appeared one morning which was very new and so we went in, we were given the permission to go in and there were no results at all no changes at all in the um, brain activity. Turns out it had actually been man-made. Well this was a very valuable experiment Uh, We didn't know that it was man-made, but the scientific um, uh, results showed that it had, and I later found out that it had been man-made. So, unwittingly, we'd done a very, very good test, uh, showing the the difference between the man-made and the genuine, and the the according uh, results. Um, Well, so many lovely things have happened. Um, and certainly some of the healing things have been quite remarkable. On top of really feeling quite ill at times, there were some really lovely, lovely ones. I remember one time going in with, into a field of oilseed rape or canola with a great friend of mine and I didn't realize she actually had a, a broken collarbone because I when we were in there, for some reason or other, I was, ask, I was asking people to gather stones, and I can't remember particularly why I was doing that. I think it was in 2001. And so she just happened to mention she had a broken collarbone, and it wasn't all that easy for her. Well, her um, normal physiotherapist was away... And so she had um, a fill-in physiotherapist who went, when Colette went to see her, this physiotherapist said, but I'm supposed to be treating a broken collarbone. And she said, you haven't got a broken collarbone. She said, you haven't got, even got the little lump, which would show after somebody has broken our collarbone. So Colette said, well, why don't you look at the original X-ray? And so she did, and she said, my goodness, yes. There it shows quite clearly the break. And yet there isn't any evidence of you ever having had a
2: break. Hmm. And this
3: was after being in the crop
2: circle. Interesting. Okay, and and, uh, Barbara, do you...
1: Have another question yes, I do. With,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> okay,
1: good. I, I know that there have been um, studies done on ancient aquifers, and that the ancient aquifers in Great Britain, especially, have healing aspects to them. So is there a correlation between crop circle, ancient aquif- on ancient aquifers being more healing than crop circles that are not on ancient aquifers?
3: Well, the ones who are not, which are not on ancient aquifers are man-made. So, and and all the genuine but... ones are on aquifers.
1: Okay, that's that's where I was going because. So, there, you
3: see, this is it. Yes, it all depends whether it's uh, genuine or not. I mean, if they're not on an aqu- on a nodal point. They're not going to Uh be genuine, because this is all part of the forming process, the uh, electrical charge coming up from the, um, given this particular frequency, coming up from the water, yes, yes, you're absolutely right. And this is why the um, nodal points on chalk land are absolutely an essential part of this whole formation process.
1: Well, that makes great sense. Because because then you have a harmonic that is working on the body's energetic, and if you are exactly. synchronizing yourself, if you're synchronizing yourself to the earth energy, then yes. then you you have
3: to become whole. You don't have a choice. Exactly. You exactly. And not everybody feels well, though, even in a genuine cross circle. And I think that depends on the state of your health. And also, you know, we all have totally different metabolisms, don't we? Uh-huh. Um, so this, this, can, this can have an effect on, on certain people. But I always yes. say, always, 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 if you don't feel well, come out immediately. Yes,
1: but a healing often is getting rid of toxicity, and the toxicity can Indeed. make you feel
4: unwell.
3: Oh, You're so right. You're so right, Barbara. This is all to do with homeopathy. And yeah. this certainly uh, has to play a part. There's, there's no doubt about it. And you, I think this has been an a- aspect, which, um, well, I mean, homeopathy is is not considered solid science by a lot of people. But we all know that it works. Yes. <laughs> and therefore, <laughs> therefore we, it's dismissed. So much of this is dismissed. You see. And this is why we have to have the basis of science. Because so much of what we're finding in the circles is, is uh, just purely um, discarded. Um, but for those of us who are in tune and who go along, um, are interested in the spiritual aspect, it all makes tremendous sense. Our ancient forebears, um, they, they all knew about All the things we're talking about that are happening in the circles, and it's the same. There's so much evidence, but also there are so many different aspects to to the um, to the circles. There was one extraordinary one that appeared. um, It appeared. um, It was called the jaw dropper. And it appeared in 2001 and one of the, one of the ways you can tell if, um, if a crop circle is, is genuine is that if it's appeared on a night when it's been raining and there's absolutely no marks on the um, fallen crop, then you can be pretty certain it's genuine. Because if you're walking down a tram line, uh, which is the marks in the field, the lines in the field, which the farmers use for driving their tractors down and their machinery for sowing and reaping and all sorts of things. Uh, If you then walk into the standing crop and you've got muddy feet, you're absolutely bound to leave muddy marks. There's, There's absolutely no avoidance. Right, uh, And this one had absolutely no mud on it whatsoever. And I got a letter, an email, from people who I know uh, who actually do make circles. And I, I won't give them their, your name, their names. But they wrote and they said, here's something to ponder. If this formation was man-made, a line for the time to get into... And out of the field, under cover of darkness, the construction time left would be about four hours. Given that there are over 400 circles, in fact there were 409, some of which span 70 foot in diameter, that would mean that one of those circles would need to be created every 30 seconds. And that's not even allowing any time for the surveying. Purely flattening. This formation pushes the envelope and that's a massive understatement. My brain hurts. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was wonderful. You know, this was so honest. And I wrote up I wrote that up because I felt I really had to give them credit for being so so really amazingly honest so that was that was that was great, but we have so many so many other uh, stories of, of strange things happening. I'm going to tell you one about a strange happening at Avebury. and this was in two thousand and thirteen. um A young man um who was with a couple of other friends um they went to camp not in a campground, but just in a field, any old field. Uh, they went to sleep close together. But he woke up, this is the young man who told the story, he woke up in the middle of the night on the other side of the fence nearby and at least 20 foot away, totally baffled about how he would got there and why. He knew he hadn't climbed the fence because it was made of barboire, and he had no scratches on his skin and no torn clothes. The other two people were totally unaware of him having got up and having to match, that managed to get to the other side of the fence. He felt strange and disorientated. That's a strange story.
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm. And you know, you ha- uh do, do mention uh, being disoriented um you, know, you do mention uh, th- there are a few cases of um it, 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 it's a little bit like uh, missing time a- as well oh yes my
3: goodness it's- me there was one wonderful, wonderful crop circle last summer at Hackpen and I went into it. I, I couldn't, I just I, I, I just felt I had to keep on going in. I came, took both my tours in there. And the first time I went in, I went in with my goddaughter who was over from New Zealand. And when we came out, we just sat there and meditated and absorbed the energy from the ground, the earth energy, the energy of the crop circle. It was a beautiful day, and you feel as though you're in a bubble. You're completely devoid divorced from the rest of the outside world. Everything could be going on around you, and you're completely not a part of it. Anyhow, when we came out, uh, I was speaking to somebody outside, and he said, "Uh, Lucy, do you know how long you've been in there? And I said, oh, well, not really so long, but I said it was wonderful. You said you've been in there an hour and a half, and you you lose all sense of
2: time. Hmm. That's interesting. There's uh you know crop circles, uh UFO encounters. Yeah, there's a little overlap there. Uh, you know, with the missing time it is. There uh m- more crop circle UFO uh connections.
3: Well, I find that very difficult to answer because I've never yeah. seen a UFO. So, I, know,
2: I, I, I haven't either. I, I just I, I, I just wondered.
3: I just I have. feel that there has to be other existences uh beyond ours, apart from ours. So um there could be other intelligences involved in this phenomenon uh why not but i just don't have any any evidence of it but i'm perfectly open minded about this in fact i think that um it's it's completely possible
2: okay it, 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 you know, so, some of the you know these um energies we've discussed the you know, healing properties um connections to uh, uh or uh, uh, the um stone circles or the iron age hill fort um you, know, you also give us an example of a uh, crop circle that really uh, kind of takes us into a- almost like the computer age and it's you know a a aveberry a- 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 might actually be uh seen as a uh a- Early computer, uh, Stonehenge, it would be one too. But you you mentioned, uh, or uh, you know, uh, uh, do a significant uh, section on the uh, Wilton windmill, and there are a lot of uh, there. There's a circle with these lines uh, they don't really uh, unfinished lines of, of different lengths and you know you, you drew a lot uh, uh, you drew a lot of uh, significance from that um, connecting it to uh, music um, can, can you explain what uh yeah, these little bit more uh symbolic crop circles uh mean or ha- how uh we should be interpreting them
3: well, I think how we're interpreting uh in the majority of them is very much a personal uh interpretation, but some have very obvious um Interpretations like one which was formed like a dragonfly, that was called the dragonfly. Then you get the one we discussed initially, the Julia set, which was um, uh, 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 a fractal image. Um, the one at Wilton uh, Windmill was very similar to Lawrence uh, Euler's uh, theorem, but it was a highly, highly complex theorem, and it said that Lawrence Hoyer himself was probably the only one who really fully understood it. Um, and then we got the one at... Um, um, also near Barbary Castle, which was the uh, Pythagoras. And it was, um, it was the, um, uh, the one that was Pi, uh, Pi to mm-hmm. the power of nine. And when you talk about the music... Um, I think one has to go back to Pythagoras, who who told us that number and music were related. Well, in the past, sadly, both these people are now no longer with us. But they so therefore, what we're dealing with is we're dealing with geometry, which is number. And then you transpose it into, into frequencies, and you can actually play it on the piano. And um, James... Uh, he tries to play the uh, Euler um, formation on the piano. He said it it wasn't very harmonious. But these two other friends of mine, who, as I say, sadly are no longer with us, they did recordings quite um, individually of the music, which they uh, translated from the number. Uh, One was the DNA formation in 1996, and I forget the other one that was used, and you got this sort of rhythmic beat. They made recordings of them. Um, so this is this is again a different area of science, which is being used uh, to determine certain aspects of this phenomenon.
2: Yeah, and yeah, the, this math and the you know the youth the use of pi, it, it just seems like there's uh, a a intelligence <clears throat> some kind of intelligence behind the, these designs uh you know there there are a few you know, just basic patterns of uh, just uh concentric circles but you know, like the that, that uh, Wilton windmill
4: it,
2: it, it, it does seem to have uh something that has a real deeper symbology to it than uh, many of the other ones i i i would, uh, and you know when you bring James in To do his scientific writing, he does a great job of explaining the science behind the crop circles and the Wilton windmill. Is I thought one of the more outstanding examples that he delved into.
3: Yes, indeed, he he does a fantastic job. And I think this is one of the great aspects of the whole book. Um, He's mm-hmm. put his um, his wisdom, his scientific wisdom, uh, into uh, talking about this and relating uh, the science to to the various aspects of this phenomenon. It's absolutely fantastic, and it hasn't been done it hasn't been done before in this particular way. So this is why I think this book is of such um, Valued uh, to everybody really, people not not as scientists but also to actual scientists, but getting back to the area of um, I, I believe very much that there's a consciousness or intelligence about about this uh, phenomenon mm-hmm. and and if one thinks of a cosmic consciousness, if you like. And one has to ask the question, is there indeed a a consciousness inherent in the crop circles that links itself to the human mind or vice versa? And to me, the answer is a resounding yes. And we're all part of this universal consciousness, which is multidimensional and it's multi-interactive. And... um, it's it's all part of this uh, cosmic um, consciousness. And again, you have to think about consciousness. What exactly is consciousness? And I I read something that I think is brilliant. Uh, Consciousness may not be generated by the brain, but rather transceived by the brain, i.e. the consciousness may may be a fundamental non-local property of all dimensions of the universe, and that rather than be an epiphenomenon of brain activity, it may instead be that the brain acts as an interface that allows consciousness to manifest locally on the material plane. That makes sense. It does, doesn't it? For a long time, you know, I've often strived to find an explanation for consciousness and if you can think about it in in those terms it's it's really helpful
1: but if you look at the fact that we are spirits on a
3: human journey,
1: that our physicality yes. is just the vehicle our spirit is riding through in it's like a good car, good cars have computers in them that that help to to communicate between the vehicle and the driver, and that's exactly yes. what 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 our physical bodies are is that computer that helps to communicate the physicality with the spirit that we carry within. It makes perfect sense.
3: It does, doesn't it? It does. And this is the lovely part of it. Because so many people, their lives have been changed, going back to maybe what this consciousness is. Their lives have been changed by uh, this phenomenon in, in a truly wonderful way. Um, They've opened the doors, have been opened to other dimensions, um, other levels of consciousness. Um, They see things in a completely different way. Um, Yes, their whole life has been transformed in a a truly wonderful way. And as I say, I've got over 800 reports. (laughs) I'm aiming for for a thousand uh, of people who have sent me reports of how they have felt not only inside the crop circle, but in the vicinity of crop circles, or even watching the slides of crop circles when people are giving talks. Because again, the vibrations are coming off the, the, the pictures and affecting them by just even being there and watching them watching the slides. They're
1: very, ever, very, very powerful. Have you ever considered that the crop circle is like a magnet for those whose consciousnesses are ready to embrace another level of understanding?
3: Well, it could very well be. And and some people, they can't cope with the subject at all. And and I think it's, it's very interesting that You come to it when you're ready to come to it. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's some sort of consciousness which is directing you to it because you're ready for it. But it's a challenging subject. And I've come across several people, and they've always been men, who've been really fascinated by the subject. But then something happens to them. Something occurs, and it affects, it's reached their boggle, threshold and they can't cope anymore and so they leave the subject and in order to um, pacify themselves or live with their sudden vault fast if you like they then start to rubbish it because that is uh, their safety valve it's the most extraordinary thing Uh, I've, I've seen it on several occasions with people I've worked with quite closely And suddenly, they've changed. Mm
4: Mhm.
1: Well, like you said, there is a threshold, and sometimes people just. And sometimes people just can't. When I saw the UFO, I was in college, and there I was in the girls' the girls' dorm when we saw it, and it was interesting because when it flew right over the dorm, some people were terrified and went and you know hid in closets. Other people yes. were fasc- fascinated by it like I was. And then there were other people that didn't see it. I mean, there was a girl standing right next to me and it flew so low over the dorm. You couldn't miss it because it blanked out the sky. And yet she did not see it. And I did. And I was just oh, awestruck by it. And she didn't see it at all. And there were people that were screaming and, you know, the end is near type stuff. So I think it's, a, it's, it's, if you have the consciousness to embrace it, it floods you with wonderful information.
3: And if I you don't... I think so, but you have to be... Yeah. Uh, you reject it. You have it. to be ready to, to, to accept it. But I uh-huh. think this also, if we go back to the Julia set, I think this is why a lot of people, having even despite having seen it, right in front of their eyes, would probably, having when the moment they left, they wouldn't accept it. Their conscious mind would say, "No, no, no, we didn't really see that at all."
1: Uh uh-huh. Yeah, but Whereas
3: it works
1: others, on them. In, it, will, it will work on them on a subconscious
3: level eventually. Eventually, eventually, it yeah. it, it will. I know. So some, it takes <coughs> it takes a long time with some people. Yeah. Uh, but I think an awful lot of people. They they they're frightened. They're very very frightened of this subject, because take, it's taking them into areas which they don't understand, and they, in a way, they don't want to understand them because it's too frightening. They they're not ready for it. They simply they mm-hmm. can't they wouldn't be ready for it. But I've learned so much. I think I've learned more in the last 25, 30 years than I've learned from the rest of my life. Because it's such an all-embracing subject. You have the science, you have the music, you have the spiritual journey, uh, you have the geology. You have all theologies uh, embraced in this one, in this one, uh, one for, uh, phenomenon. And you never have all the answers. No. I mean, that's what's so brilliant. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> that's what that's what I love. I love about it. And that's well, what's yeah, and so it, good, e- isn't it?
1: Every time you think you you have it, you know, I've got a handle, then you find it's like an onion. You find there's another level that is, you've peeled down to and you're back to square one.
3: Yes, yes, yes. It's very good for us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's it's very really good. It, it's it's levels, it's a real level up. Um yes you never get conceited i can tell you. <laughs>
2: and, and, and Lucy when we were talking the other day and you were talking about you know there's uh a ley line around uh, Winchester and you know, a uh highway was going to be built to you know uh direct the lorries around the, the town, of so bottling up traffic downtown. So, so, so while they were building the road, the uh, lane line was uh, damaged, but it is uh, healing, repairing itself, uh, rebounding, whatever term you want to use. Um, <clears throat> it is Would something like that uh, self-healing happen if this proposed tunnel uh, were to be built around Stonehenge, or is that just damaging the ley line too much?
3: Well, I think it's going to damage not just one, but many, many ley lines.
2: I think, I think it,
3: it's doing, going to, as we were discussing the other day, I think it's going to do such irreparable damage that I can't see that whole area recovering well for centuries, if at all, because it's, it's, um, it's not just one ley line it's going to affect. It's going to affect many and um it's 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 on a it's 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 i mean the amount of history still to be uh excavated in that area is is tremendous i mean more and more is coming to light all the time about how vast the settlement was right um, and it's it's absolutely huge i don't think we know the full extent of it yet
2: Um, it's it, it's just nice to know that you've given us information that there is the self-healing. Uh, but yeah, you know, that 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 can happen. I, I, at least, yeah. at, at, at least we know that it's the the, the tunnel idea by Stonehenge, That, that just really sounds like uh, a wound that is really going to. It may heal at some point, like you said, you know, like that might be generations, but it, it's going to leave like a really bad scar type thing. I, it, it's just interesting to get your perspective. Since you're,
3: yes. I think it's going, to, it's going to disrupt so much of the area around it too. I mean, this is not just just immediately; it's going to affect the whole area for for miles and miles and miles.
2: Okay, and yeah, you know, it, you know, since, since we're talking about the e- effects of. The, the ley lines and earth energy. Um it, it, you do uh, discuss in the energies of crop circles um that you have done some uh studies with burying bottles of water inside uh, the stone circles, outside. Can, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the conclusions of uh, your tests?
3: Well, the conclusions, um, I've done extensive. I, I can no longer do them because there's one um, lab that we were using uh, Natalie, which tested for trace minerals, they wanted me to bury half pint bottles of water. Well, can you imagine me digging holes that size in a farmer's field? Uh, it, <laughs> it, it doesn't bear thinking about it. And so I've had to curtail that. But I've done sufficient research on that, um, that area that I think whatever I've found is, is, is conclusive, that there is a, a difference between the control bottles buried outside and the bottles buried inside. Uh, several scientists from all over the world have, have tested them using uh, different techniques. And uh, what, 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 in fact, the procedure is that I fill them with these little bottles. I fill them with vo- um, Volvic water because Dr. Cyril Smith, he said, you've got to use water, which is as constant as possible. And that didn't go above four hertz. So I've always used volvic water ever since. Um, The ones, the control samples, I bury outside the circle to start with. Then I go into the circle Bury the other bottles at strategic places, and I hope to remember where they are. <laughs> the problem is the trouble is, as you can imagine, if you go in fairly new and and a whole lot of people go in subsequently, they've destroyed all the areas that you think you're going to remember where you put the bottles so it it boils down to a dicing, a dicing exercise, but I leave the bottles inside for really. What's convenient for me, maybe a week, ten days. I then go into the field again, I hopefully collect the bottles. In fact, I've collected over ninety percent. I by using diving, and then I come out and I collect the control samples. and in that way, the control samples never take on the energy of inside the circle. And they're then sent blind to be tested, and I get the results. And we've had some extraordinary results in the past, and very showing very, very different results between the two. We also did another test one time, and sadly I was only able to do it once, because I think the lab closed down, of a protein test. I took samples of wheat, wheat heads, and from inside, and samples from outside. And we sent them off to a lab to be tested, and the results were absolutely extraordinary. They came back that the ones inside was had 40% higher protein le- levels than the ones outside.
1: Well, and that was amazing. Do- did you have have you done any work with animals? I, because I I recall a long time ago they were saying that that animals would not eat the wheat that had become a crop circle that they veered away from it that they wouldn't eat the wheat that was oh. in the circle itself.
3: Oh dear, that's a very sad subject, because again I wrote that up in my book, um, and I think I put this on to the sprays that the farmer uses.
2: Ah. um,
3: And I collected some barley one time from being inside a circle, and I put it underneath the dining room table, and I had a most beautiful, very large, grey cat. And he came into the dining room with me one day, and he went straight for this bunch of, of barley. And... I I, want, I looked at him, and I wondered what he was doing. And then I saw that he was sucking it. And oh so, anyhow, I used, I used I got him out. But every time I went into the dining room, he went in like a flash and started sucking it again. And eventually, last time that it happened, uh, I write it up in my book, um, I shut the door, and I wouldn't let him in. And when I came out... I bent down to stroke him, and he reared up on his hind legs. And he's, and I only just stood up in time because he was very big. He, he was going to rake my face with his claws. Oh my! Now I tried everything. He's completely changed after the initial going into suck to with that barley. Uh, I tried the, with the vet. I tried every single possible thing I could with homeopathy. Nothing, nothing, nothing would uh, cure him. He became an extremely vicious cat. Mm -hmm. And it was almost as though there'd been some chemical change in his brain. Yeah. It was a most, most unfortunate. And I've heard other people say that uh, their cat has also been uh, attracted to wheat heads or barley that they've taken back, brought back but so yes that is a, that that was that was a very unhappy uh result but also well, we
1: can I mean I, with people it seems to it seems to heal and and is not to eat it but to be in its presence but but you know the cows you know the the farmers that have ploughed it under not even under but that have you know um harvested it for their cows to to use as feed, the cows would not eat it. They wouldn't touch it.
3: Oh right. Well, I, I'm not at all surprised.
2: I'm oh. not. I'm not.
3: I'm not at all surprised.
2: It, Lucy, one one of the highlights of your book is your wonderful aerial photography. Um yeah, you, know, you get you know some of these yeah, you know, it's kinda of like overhead shots, the o- oblique shots that show more of you know, the countryside for um miles around like uh the uh Westwoods uh um crop circle in wiltshire um the the uh wilton windmill one you know you see all the farmland uh nearby it, it's it, you have uh, beautiful uh, photos uh, uh, thank you when is the best time for you to or you, or really anyone to be in a helicopter to uh, do aerial photography.
3: Uh, really, in the morning or the evening, because you, those are the best times. You get the most lovely lights. In the morning, you get a very bright sort of sharp light, and in the evening, you get a you get a a lovely a lovely sort of gentle soft light. In the middle of the day, the the sun is overhead. You're not really going to get shadows or contrast, not in the same way as in the morning or the evening. But a lot of those pictures, I have to say, are thanks to the skill of the pilots, because they've got to uh, be able to put you in a position. Um, and you know, you have to say, well, hi, you you're giving them directions all the time. And they've got to be able to follow those uh directions in order to allow you to take those pictures so uh, it's not just me. <laughs> I can tell you that It's it's also uh, a, a lot of a lot of um the, the thanks go to the to the pilots
2: okay and, and Lucy, we have oh about ten minutes uh, <clears throat> left in 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 this show um And I want to give you uh, enough time at the end to talk about upcoming appearances and where to get your book and your website. But um, as as we start to wind down, uh, what is uh, one or two things that we, we still need to know about crop circles, You mentioned some of the uh, blood tests you, you wanted to do. Um, is there anything else you know, we need to know how they affect people or use of well, megalithic I, I, yards? I, I,
3: well, now John Michel was a was a genius about megalithic yards. Uh, an awful lot of the um, the uh, places around Silbury Hill are uh, all. Uh, separated in megalithic yards and they're absolutely perfectly all using a megalithic yard Silbury Hill to West Kennet Long Barrow to the Swallow uh, Head Springs they're all they're all uh, placed using uh, megalithic yards um, but there are other wonderful wonderful places around there like the West Kennet Long Barrow which is one of the oldest in the country and um, it wasn't really – in, in the old days, I mean, that predates, uh, saying, um, predates um, Silbury Hill. Um, and it would have been it's, – it's a mound, but it would have been – it would have stood out. It would have been so dominant in the landscape because it's chalk, and it would have been gleaming white. And and even Silbury Hill now, which is covered in grass, just as West Kenneth Longbarrow is covered in grass, um, they would have stood out, too, because they would have been gleaming white, gleaming chalk. These were all statements in the landscape. But not only were they statements, they were built in such a way that at certain times of the year, the solstices or other special times of year, um, they would point in what you call sight lines. Uh, the rising of the sun would be exactly behind, say, Waden Hill or something, exactly behind something else. They weren't just placed randomly in the landscape. They were placed there very, very specifically uh, with spiritual intent. Um, so this is, again, all part of the crop circle phenomenon. But I suppose one of my biggest regrets is, if we go back onto the scientific side, and we talk a little bit more about Parkinson's, which uh, my one of my favourite cousins, he died of Parkinson's. So this is a subject which is very, very close to my heart. And if we could help ever find um, anything which would help the mainstream science in this area, I mean that I feel that would be testimony of the value and importance of the circles themselves. But it's frustrating research because we can only do one day's research, whatever it is. What I'd like to be able to do is to do, go back the next day or go back a week later or go back a month later and redo the tests. Um, but unfortunately, not only is that impossible for many different reasons to for the scientists who who are so generous in giving me their time and and knowledge and understanding they they're busy people on top of that the energy in the circle will have changed and it might even have been harvested out so this is an area which is so frustrating i can get so far but i can't get any further um mm. also There is no way we have of detecting exactly what the force is inside the circle. (laughs) And this is something I long to know, but at the moment, our technology is not such that we can actually identify what that particular energy is. So, I mean, I'm not going to stop. I'm going on with this. But there are many areas which are which are frustrating
2: well i hope, i hope you i get to continue with the uh testing and um uh you, you, you just mentioned the solstice uh that's just under a month away uh you have um more helicopter tours and other yeah uh, uh, just land uh tours coming up around the solstice
3: sometimes sometimes they um they appear sometimes they they, they don't uh, again this is uh unpredictable
2: okay um what do do you have some, uh lectures coming up What well, well, yes,
3: I do. I do in England, yes. Um, and those I'll be, be putting up on on, on my website. And uh, my pictures go up on my website and my articles go up on my website. And my book is holding a very prominent place on my website. And yes. if anybody, also my tours, if people would like to come on tours with me, because it's it's just a magical experience uh please uh get in touch and as i was saying stonehenge is, is is a unique uh, if you can visit stonehenge um it is very interesting um uh, sometimes the pineal gland this is a very important gland uh which is in the forefront of our, our well it it's actually it's um it's linked to the hypothalamus but um another one of the interesting things is, it may be totally irrelevant, but it's just a useless piece of knowledge that I rather enjoy, uh, that the, just as the pineal gland is, the, is physically the center of our brain, so Stonehenge is physically the center of uh, our planet. Hmm. <laughs> interesting. Probably, probably quite useless information,
2: but it's it. <laughs> a uh, uh interesting way to look at things. Um, or, or, have, have there been any new uh, crop circles that have formed uh, th- this early on in the late spring, early summer season, or did they usually appear in? July, when the weed is taller?
3: Oh, they can appear in, in, in April. We've had them in April in oilseed rape or the canola. And uh, yes, in fact, they're a little bit late this year. We had one the other day at Norwich Woods uh, near Warminster. And um, yeah, that was a little bit late. That was in barley because after the, uh, the oilseed rape, the next crop that is up to the sufficient height is wheat is a barley, then you get wheat and you get oats um and then we've had have had it in sweet corn or maize. I'm not certain what you call it in the states
2: I'm not sure either
3: so it's hollow stem. What's interesting about the uh oh, seed rape is that it's a, it's a hollow stem crop and it's very easy to detect if you if you're one of the first people in whether that's man-made or not because it's being hollow stemmed it snaps if if broken at an angle of more than 40 degrees and also bruises very easily and uh, cracks very easily so it's it's a very fragile plant you can easily see if what we're looking for is to see if any weight has been applied. You know people going in with their with their boards and, and stomping boards and things
2: and uh you know people can order your book at innertraditions dot com um, and your website is lucy pringle dot co dot uk.
3: That's it, and I'm very happy to sign it for them if they would like. Okay. Yeah.
2: This and yeah, yeah. I think we're down to like a minute. Um, Yeah, we're just very appreciative to have you as a special guest on a Friday afternoon and share, uh, you know, the uh, last couple hours with us. Uh, Is there anything else you want to say? Say, well, or... just
3: just many apologies for my for my uh, my problems with my with my uh, coughing and 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 croakiness. Uh, well, I it... think
1: it was apologies. it was so noble of you to to have allergies along with me, so I didn't feel badly. I do thank you. Oh,
3: Barbara, you're so lovely. Well, <laughs> that's 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 very cheering, <laughs> and I hope you get better very quickly. You okay. too. Well, Mark, Mark, it's time to say goodbye. Yes, yeah, well, it's been a great
2: pleasure. Th- thank you so much, Lucy and Barbara. And, and we'll see everyone Monday with uh, Tim Swartz and his Jeff, the talking mongoose. Yep. Have a great weekend.